Um, so a couple of years ago, um, we had begin, uh, I guess, our yearly theme in 2014, I believe it was, believe it or not. We had this theme called PUSH. Many of you obviously remember that. And we use PUSH as an acronym. And PUSH was, the first word is perseverance for the first letter. Uh, second letter is unify. The third letter is stay focused. And the fourth letter is harvest. Um, and so we had to focus that year on PUSH because we really believe, and, uh, and they still believe today, that in order for us to achieve the things that God wants to do in all of us, uh, we have to push. And so many of us, we understand that concept. Uh, in life because sometimes you don't always feel like doing the things that we know we ought to do. Perhaps you didn't even feel like, per se, uh, coming here tonight, but you push your way through because, in part, your faith, you believe that in pushing, there is an advantage. And uh, one of the things that I have been doing through the course of my life, I've always enjoyed the idea of exercising and working out. And uh, one of the things that I've learned through all of that is that if I'm going to gain any kind of advantage as it relates to being fit, there are times when you have to push, you have to strain, um, you know, and uh, we, there's a saying that says, uh, no pain, no gain. And that is such a true statement. It's not necessarily a biblical term, per se. I mean, the Bible certainly does imply it. Uh, because you all know that Jesus died and he suffered a great death, a violent death. And because of his death, we have life. So uh, no pain, no gain. Our gain was life. Jesus suffered the pain for us. And he pushed. So this is what we're aiming to do throughout the course of this week. And my prayer is that you have an attitude uh, of pushing and persevering. And so my assignment tonight is to talk to you about this subject of perseverance, and I'm going to kind of, kind of go about it in somewhat of a roundabout way, and I'll, I'll come back to it here in a moment. Uh, and I got two verses I'm going to share with you, one being Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 9, and then I'm going to begin, though, in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse number 40. Um, let me just get, kind of begin by saying this. We are all rightly concerned as well as we should be about the growth of our church. Uh, you know, when there, are, when there is, is no increase in salvation or discipleship or the maturation of God's people, in part we believe that the maturation as God's people mature and grow in the faith, uh, then one of the things that we do, um, the outworking of that is that we begin to share our faith. We begin to spread. We begin to become uh, contagious. And um, growth is not measured, as you know, by numbers only, and we've said that over and over again, but I think everybody realized that numbers is a starting point. You can't grow unless you have people. And so we as a church, we're always, and it doesn't really matter whether you're 50 or 100 or 5,000 or 10,000, you're always concerned about the growth of a church. And this is our responsibility. It's not just Pastor Bailey's responsibility. It is all of our responsibility. No matter where God lands you in the process of life, one of the things we're always concerned about is the advancement of God's kingdom. And the way that we see that advancement is that we see people's lives being transformed. Um, so I think, I think it's it's, it's very evident to say that we've experienced somewhat of a slump. I kind of thought about this 
um, because, uh, or I didn't just sort of think about it, I think about it a lot, I pray about it a lot. And one of the analogies that God gave me is, uh, happened to be around the idea of, of sports. Um, I was a huge, uh, when I first started golfing, I was a huge Tiger Woods fan. And Tiger Woods would win almost regularly, like unlike any other uh, uh, golfer that we've ever seen. He brought excitement, enthusiasm to the game like none other. People would just, you know, people would just do the fist pump. And, and you never before saw people yelling and screaming and jumping at a golf match. A golf match, it's not, it's not like football or basketball. You know, you football or basketball, you, hey, you're jumping, you're hollering. But golf, it's just a nice little polite clap and good job. And, but all of a sudden, Tiger Woods come on the scene. He completely changed the dynamic. So people start, boom, giving the fist pumps and being exciting and enthusiastic. And he just brought so much excitement. He was winning. Things were happening for him. Things were moving along. And then all of a sudden, he hit what we call a slump. Now, there's many, there's a lot of speculation. If you know anything about Tiger Woods, there's some speculations as, in, in terms of, of, of why that happened. But the reality of it is, is that he experienced a slump. It doesn't just happen to people like Tiger Woods. You know, it happens to any sports figure, uh, you know, uh, whether it could be a team, you know. Like, I remember when uh, the Yankees were winning all the – it seemed like every other year they were winning the pennant. I remember – some of you remember the Lakers seemed like they were winning all the time. And, 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 and so all of these, you know, these teams and these individuals, sometimes they, they experience moments in time where they have a slump. So what do they normally do when they experience a slump? And one of the things, and, and because I'm a sports person, I understand sports, because sometimes they, can, they get in a slump and they can't figure out how to get out of it. And, 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 and then they become so overwhelmed with, man, I got to win, I got to win, I got to get back to where I was. I mean, how do I do it? How do I do it? And, and, and after a while, they overthink it, right? And it becomes too complicated. And, and, and before long, they, they, they just become stagnant and they just, and their mind and brain just kind of freeze as if they don't know how to win anymore. So how do they get out of that slump? A lot of times, uh, you know, one of the things when people start to overthink things too much, one of the things that they always, you always hear these coaches and people that understand sports and life, they would say, well, you just got to get back to the basics because it's not really that complicated. In fact, you make it much more complicated than what it really needs to be. I think that to some extent we're the same way in church and in our church. I think that sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with we got to do this, we got to grow, how do we do this, that we don't actually do the actual work to make it happen. Uh, Rick Warren once said this. Rick Warren once said that uh, um, anything that is healthy grows. For us, health is determined by what God says is healthy. And if you put a plant in the right soil, in the right environment, uh, you give it water, you give it plant food, that plant have no choice but to grow. It's kind of a law that God kind of set in motion in the earth. It grows naturally, organically, but it must, those conditions must be met. And it is the same with us. I believe that a lot of times we overthink it in the body. We get, we get, we just try to, it's like, in everybody, and it's funny because when you are experiencing a slump, you tend to get advice from everybody because everybody got an idea of why you're slumping. 
They would have come to you and said, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, why did you need to do And everybody got all the ideas. But really, if you're smart, all you do is you kind of go back to the basics. Okay, what, what kind of got you there? What, what is the, how does ministry grow? How do we become effective in the thing that God has called us to do? This involves all of us. We're, uh, we're on this journey together. God has given us an assignment, and we all want to fulfill our destiny. We want to fulfill that assignment that he's called us to do. That's why we're here on earth, church. We're not here on earth to simply get by. We're here on earth to fulfill an assignment that God has given to all of us. And uh, I want you, and so when I started thinking about the basics, I started thinking about our church, and I said, okay, what are the basics? Are we doing the basics? And the best example that I could come up with was really in Acts chapter 2. It's kind of getting back to the basics. We all kind of understand. We look at that verse over and over again in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. I'm going to kind of highlight some of these things. And, uh, but we see here that this is really kind of a pattern for every church to follow in order to grow. In other words, church, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. What we have to do, though, is be committed to doing what is necessary in order to see things happen, in order to see the ball move forward uh, in our lives. And so, and it says here in verse number 40, and with many other words, um, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be safe from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were saved, were added to them. I'm sorry. And verse 42, and then this, this is a key because it says, and they continued. And that's, that's a big thing. That's a really, really big deal. Because what it really says is that in spite the challenges, in spite sometimes being confused, uh, in spite sometimes of being angry, in spite sometimes being frustrated, uh, in spite of feeling down, in, f- in spite of going through moments of depression, anxiety, Uh, despite of not having things go your way, they continued. Because the greater work for all of us is bigger than our paycheck, is bigger than our jobs, is bigger even than us. This is a battle that begins in the heavenlies for the souls of men. We understand that ultimately that's what we're called to do. They continue. What did they continue in? Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So that's, that's a big one because it tells me a couple of things there. Number one, that they respected their spiritual authority and their leadership in the church. They respected their spiritual leaders. In other words, they heard, and how did they, how did they respect their leaders? They heard and they applied. He said they continue in the apostles' doctrine. We can glance that. Uh, just from the study of scriptures, there's a, uh, as we think about the apostles' doctrines, and the apostles' doctrine was really the word of God. It was still being formed here in the book of Acts, but Jesus had been given a whole lot of instruction about continuing things like loving one another, loving your enemies, like the Great Commission, go and make disciple of all nations, go and preach. That was a doctrinal concern for all of them as it should be for all of us. They baptized new converts. They encouraged one another as the scripture taught. They forgave one another. Forgiveness was a big thing. They continue in this teaching. They serve one another. They uh, committed themselves to personal holiness. In other words, they committed themselves to being like Christ uh, in their character, 
their character being refined. They, they dealt with those things because they understood that this was the thing that they were being taught. And so if the apostles is teaching, but then if the folks are not continuing or doing, then there's a blockage someplace. Y- y'all understand what I'm saying? So it's not enough just to hear, but to do. So if someone say, well, okay, I heard, but, you know, I'm not going to do because I think I know a little bit better or because I think I'm smarter or because I think God speaks to me better than I would surmise you if people started thinking that way here that we wouldn't be reading about how God added to their church. They had a respect for spiritual authority because the authority was teaching the word of God. And as long as they're teaching the word of God, we're committed to it. But it's not so much as hearing, it's in the doing. That's the key. You know, I, I, I enjoy occasionally when people will say, Pastor, good word. And, you know, that's all fine and good. But, you know, what's really more important is when I see somebody come up to me and said they took what I heard, what, I, what they heard, and they made application. Because until there's application, then they're just words that may sound good, but they will not produce any fruit. They continued. In other words, they were committed to do. This was a condition for their growth. They were committed to do. What did they do? Um, continued steadfastly in apostle doctrine and, and fellowship. All right. They fellowship with one another. They made sure, and this has to do with their relational context, that they shared their lives together. They opened up their lives together. They were very... Um, uh, you know, open. There was not a lot of secrets and people just trying to hide. There was sort of a, this verse symbolizes transparency in relationships. And this is a challenge for us because we live in an area where people don't like to relate. People are very guarded about, about their lives. And yet when we read in scripture and we see how God moved in a mighty way, we see that they fellowship. In other words, there was koinonia there. In other words, they they, they opened up their lives together. That's what it means. It was not a surface kind of thing. It was a thing whereby we were really doing life together. How are you doing? What are you doing? Let's fellowship. Let's get together. Come to my house. I'll come to your house. We'll fellowship. We'll break bread. We'll talk together. We'll share together. We'll cry together. We'll even fuss at each other together, you know. Christians do fuss at each other sometimes. It's not a bad thing as long as you know how to forgive. It's not horrible. It happens in the body of Christ. Fellowship and breaking of bread, this was communion. Because everybody knows that communion really is is all about uh, remembering the reason why we're joined together in the first place. That's what communion is about. Every time we take communion, it's a reminder that we belong to Jesus. He's coming back. And it's a reminder for us to make sure that we keep our focus. And we don't, we don't get lost in the shuffle of life. It's like, okay, communion is, every time we take communion, hey, I belong to God. This is what this is all about. I, oh, yeah, good. Thank you. I remember that. And they continued in prayer. Jesus said my house should be a house of, should be a house of prayer. And we've been talking about that all month, the importance of that. And we're doing that this week. But this is something that they continued in. They didn't just do it for a season. They didn't do it for a week like we're doing. They just kept doing it. They said, we, we, they continued in these things. And then it says, then fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things common. All right. 
And they sold their possessions and goods, divided them among anyone who had need. So we see there this, this pattern. So they're givers. They're caring for each other. They're giving to one another. And they continue daily with one accord in the temple. In other words, they, they committed to coming to church as much as the church was open. And this says daily. <laughs> uh, so much, not so much of a problem with our folks here tonight, but. You know how some folks, it's a struggle to come once a week. But they daily, in other words, they were committed to being together, coming to the house of God. Why? Because this was their life. This was their life. Uh, one of the beautiful things that happened to me, and I, I hope to all of us, is when I got saved, I had a sense of identity because I didn't really have that before I got saved. I didn't really know why I was here on earth. I didn't really know what I was doing. So when I became a Christian, I jumped all in. I just want to be with God's people doing the things of God because I have no identity and nothing else. That's the way I think. That's the way I live. Nothing else really matters to me. Um, I'm sold out. Sold their goods. They divided them among anyone who had need, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. There it is again, sharing, going from house to house, doing all those wonderful things. They praised God, had favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church. They look at that, and the Lord added to the church. The Lord added to the church. So watch this. So when we do what we are supposed to do, just like the plant when it's in the right conditions, when we are doing, it's going back to the basics. When we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, growth will happen. So are we continuing in the apostles' doctrine? Are we fellowshipping the way that we should? Are we uh, taking communion uh, in light of communion? Are we living in such a way that we understand Jesus is coming back? Are we committed to praying together? Are we committed to giving to one another? Do we have all things in common? Is our life open? Are, are we doing these things? Are we, are we committed to coming to church, to coming to uh, being disciple, being transformed, coming to class and doing all these? Are we committed to these things? Because it's in doing of these things that the Lord will add to the church. Because when we're continuing in the apostles' doctrine, then we are most importantly we are committed to discipleship and spreading the gospel. Now in Galatians 6, 9 in closing, it says here that uh, let us not grow weary uh, in doing good. For in this season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Um, let us not grow weary in doing good. So what is the good things? The good things is just kind of like what I just said. Let's not grow weary in doing those things. Let's continue to do those things. Let's go back to the basics of the church. Um, let's not overthink it. It's, we don't have to get complicated. We don't have to get this program, that program, and think about five ways to do this and ten ways to do that and da-da-da. No, we just need to go back to the basics, make it simplified. All right? Let's go weary and, and uh, let us not go weary in doing good in due season. Due season is amazing how the context of that particular verse and that word, because you notice that due season don't really have a particular date attached to it. Um <laughs> uh, Due season is kind of an open-ended thing. It's like God is saying, when the time is right. And unfortunately, we don't always know when the time is right and what God is doing, how he's doing it, what he's doing in people's lives, how he's going to move us, how he's going to motivate us. We don't know all the details of what God is doing in our church. We don't know the full picture, but he does. He understands all of that. He says now, but, but the word of God, he says now, in due season... At the time that God deems, it's a broad term, this is where our faith must be activated. This is where we trust in God's word. He says we will reap. 
didn't say he, he didn't say you might. He said, keep doing good. The good is what we just talked about, the things we're supposed to do in Acts chapter 2. He said, keep doing those things. Work at it. Stay faithful at it. Don't put a time on it. You know, no matter where you end in life, this is bigger than Foundation Church. You are committed to this. You're committed to this to the day you die. No matter where God takes you, if he takes you to Cancun, if he takes you to Hawaii, if he takes you in the jungle of Africa, wherever, you are committed to this. Continue in this. Do this. There's no time limit. I'm committed to this for the rest of my life, God. Wherever you plant me, that's what I'm going to do. He says, we will reap. It's not an if, but he says, you will reap. We can work with confidence knowing that fruit will come. We can do that. We can continue the work that we're doing with confidence, knowing that God is faithful to his word. He says, we will read if we don't faint. If we don't faint. Wow, Paul is suggesting that the weight can make us sometimes think about quitting. That's why he said don't faint. He's telegraphing something there. Paul is suggesting sometimes it's going to take a while. He said don't faint. So usually we tell people don't get tired, don't give up, don't quit. It's kind of like saying, hey man, you got to like, like running track. You got to keep pushing, man. Don't, don't fight. You'll get to the finish line. You'll get there, but you got to keep going. Don't quit. Now, if you quit, all bets are off. You're not going to reach it. But if you just keep going, doing it, keep working, keep running, keep running. And yes, sometimes you'll even spring your foot sometimes. Am I, right? Am I right about it? You hurt your foot sometimes. Sometimes you hurt your foot, you trip, but you keep going. You get healed up and you get right back in there and you, you keep working at it. Why? Because you are motivated by what he said. You will reap if you don't faint not. This is what perseverance is all about. It's persevere through the challenges, doing what, well, Pastor, what do I do in the meantime? Do good. Do what God told you to do. Be faithful to that. Spreading the word, learning, growing, fellowshipping, praying, Listen to the word, applying what you're hearing. He said, in due season, we will reap if we don't faint. Our prayer focus tonight, church, is a couple of things. We want to pray that God's people will persevere. Personally, some of the things that some of us are going through, we want to pray that God's people don't give up and lose hope and think that God has somehow skipped us or God has forgotten about us. We want to pray that God bring laborers into the harvest here at Foundation Church. We want to pray for that grace to endure the challenges that, uh, that is accompanied with growth. Uh, we want to pray for financial breakthrough for our families and ultimately for our church, that we can have all the things that we need in order to continue the work that God has called us to do in the earth. You want to pray that believers fight the good fight of faith. I want to pray that believers fight the good fight of faith because sometimes life comes at you in such a way that you, if you're not careful, you'll just kind of walk through the motions, but you're not walking in faith. God wants you walking in faith. So we need to pray that the saints maintain their faith as they're going through the challenges that they're going through, that we keep believing in God, that we don't get to a point where we just kind of, just kind of, just kind of melancholy going through it, but there's nothing motivating us except I'm just kind of here. But we need to walk in faith, walk with a sense of purpose, knowing that in due season we'll reap if we don't faint. And so, Father, we just thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.